Ah, welcome. Please, step right this way. How about a little music to set the mood? Welcome to the edge of reality. The realm of the paranormal. The unexplained. The strange. The unusual. Those things that go bump in the night. I am your host, the Southern Spectre. I hope you boys and ghouls are ready for a dead time story. <laughs> Please, pull up a chair, settle in, and cozy up for the Southern Spectre Podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, as always. And on today's show, we're talking Christmas traditions and spooky ghost stories. But first, Lexi, how are you? I am well. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. How about you? Not too bad. I can't complain. I can't either. I ate more than enough and had plenty left over. Same. Too much left over. Too much. Absolutely. It was it, it was horrible. And like, <laughs> some of it went bad. I felt bad about that because I we had too. so many people here and so much food. It was just unreal. And I was oh my goodness. And it's just we couldn't eat it all and we couldn't store it all. And yeah. It was hectic. But it was it was good. We had a good time um, with family. And uh yeah, turkeys turned out great. Good. So I saw your was, TikToks about the fried turkey. <laughs> Now, I, know, I didn't right? see a finished product. Did you ever put a video up of the finished product I or just did the not, preparation? And I, okay. uh, no, I did not. And I don't know. I have no excuse for that whatsoever. I don't know what I was thinking. I just showed a naked turkey and uh, that was it. Were you embarrassed <laughs> of your turkey? I was starting to wonder. Uh, no, not embarrassed. Okay. I just, it just, I had three turkeys to do that day. Wow. And um, yeah, so it took me around probably about three or four hours to finish that. So, I just I just kind of lost track of everything else I was doing and it kind of got put on the back burner. And then after the fact, I was like, uh, I probably should have put a finished product on there, but I never did. Hey, they were informative. I don't know if I'll ever fry a turkey, but if I ever plan on it, I will refer to your videos. Well, there you go. Very easy, not hard to do. So we got some stuff to talk about before we get into that. I just want to take a moment real quick. And let all you know out there that with the holiday season finally upon us all, there will be a number of holiday parties and celebrations occurring. So please be prepared and have a designated driver available. Call an Uber or a friend. Please don't drink and drive this holiday season. Did you know that in a single year, over 121 million drinking and driving incidents occur? 
in a single day, more than 300,000 drinking and driving incidents occur. And in 2019 alone, over 10,000 people became the victims of drinking and driving. That's 29 people killed a day, one person every 50 minutes, each and every one of them 100% preventable. Mm -hmm. 300,000 injuries per year means exponentially more friends, family members, and loved ones unnecessarily impacted by this preventable crime. But you can make a difference. You can volunteer at your local MAD chapter. You can write your local legislators and tell them that you demand stricter drunk driving laws. Or you can donate. The point is, get involved. For those of you unaware, my son lost his brother to a drunk driver earlier this year. And that's why I partnered with Miss Frances Berry, owner of Berry Bow in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, to create a one-of-a-kind, unique handcrafted bow tie design in honor of Dominic Grenier. The bow tie is red in color with a black bear gracing its material. The black bear is a symbol of strength, courage, persistence, and blazing your own path. Anyone who knew Dominic knew he was one of a kind. Half of all proceeds from the sale of this classic bow tie will be donated in memory of Dominic Grenier to the local MAD chapter. You can head over to berrybow.com forward slash collections forward slash charities. I urge you this holiday season to get involved and together we can end drunk driving. Thank you. Now, just a few minutes ago, Lexi, me and you were actually talking. You asked me about a, a specific Christmas tradition. You asked me about the Christmas pickle. I did. Do you have a Christmas pickle? I don't have a Christmas pickle. I actually did not know anything about the Christmas pickle until today. I, I take that back. I think I'd heard about it a long time ago. I'd read something, but today just out of the blue, I was looking up weird Christmas traditions. Um, and I saw number one was the Christmas pickle. I'm like, how did I never hear about the Christmas pickle? Um, but you let me know that you have a Christmas pickle. We have a Christmas pickle. I don't know why we have a Christmas pickle, but we have a Christmas pickle. It's a little plastic pickle that you can actually purchase in stores and you hide it in your Christmas tree. Okay. Now, because most Christmas trees are green and most pickles are as well, it's very hard and very difficult to find <laughs> this freaking pickle. So it becomes a, it's more like an ordeal or a breakdown or, or even a, a come apart. Okay. Uh, uh, one, one ordeal that definitely calls upon a, a good fainting and, and, yeah, because remember last time we said we were going to bring fainting back. So, yes. yeah, if you, you just you get so hot and overheated and other people trying, they're standing, just just faint, just faint out. Yeah. They'll forget just about the pickle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is the purpose of the Christmas pickle for people to find it? Like, is it an activity for the kids? Do you hide the Christmas pickle and they try and first one to find it's the winner or is it for good luck? What's the purpose well, of the Christmas? Well, uh, oh, okay, okay. Now, now I'll be honest with you. I didn't actually know that this was an actual tradition. Okay, the way you had we a random found- pickle on your tree. Okay, <laughs> no. <laughs> the way we, well, the way I discovered it was, uh, we went to some, you know, some family, a family's home, uh, in the past two years, and they had a pickle on their tree, 
And I was okay. like, why do we have pickles? I never understood it. I didn't get it. They said that was something that they do. But now I have right here in front of me the real reason and the meaning behind the pickle. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this tradition is commonly believed by most Americans to come from Germany and be referred to as White Knox Gurk. But this I was is hoping probably- you'd try the I was hoping you would attempt to pronounce it. Why not skirt? Yeah. But it has been suggested that the origin of the Christmas pickle may have been developed for marketing purposes in the 1890s to coincide (laughs) with the importation of glass Christmas tree decorations from Germany. Woolworths was the first company to import these types of decorations into the United States back in 1890. And glass-blown decorative vegetables were imported from France from 1892 onwards. Now, despite the evidence showing that the tradition did not originate in Germany, the concept of Christmas pickles has since been imported from the United States, and they are now on sale in the country traditionally associated with it. And one suggested origin has been that the tradition came from Camp Sumter during the American Civil War. The Bavarian-born Private John C. Lower had enlisted in the 103rd Pennsylvania Infantry, but was captured in April 1864 and taken to the prison camp. As the story is told, on Christmas Eve, he begged a guard for a pickle while starving. The guard provided the pickle, which Lower later credited for saving his life. After returning to his family, he began a tradition of hiding a pickle on their Christmas tree each year. Another origin, which comes from Barren Springs, is a Victorian-era tale of St. Nicholas saving two Spanish children who were trapped in a barrel of pickles by an innkeeper, which which actually derives from a much more gruesome medieval legend involving a cannibalistic butcher butchering and storing a group of boys in a barrel and St. Nicholas miraculously restoring and re- resurrecting them. Oh my. So, but the tradition is an ornamental pickle is placed on the Christmas tree as one of the Christmas decorations. On Christmas morning, the first person to find the pickle on the tree would receive an extra present from Santa Claus or would be said to have a year of good fortune. Everybody around here gets the good fortune because it doesn't cost a dime. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. I just thought of something. Okay. Can you not put a real pickle on the tree? And then whoever finds the whoever finds the real pickle has to eat the pickle? Uh, nope. Not going to happen. No? Not, okay. Not here. because I'm that out there. Or I'm not looking. I'm not looking they're, for they're, it. They're pickled. How bad could they be? True. But uh, on the same hand, uh, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable leaving a pickle out that, I'm not that long. Do that either. Or I might find it next year. Or you might get hungry and just go to the Christmas tree and start eating the ornaments. If I find the pickle next year while bringing down my Christmas decorations, guess what? I got to eat the pickle. That's not happening. Oh, yeah. Probably not the best idea. But it's something fun. The kids get involved with it. They love to go. They make it. They get. They got their own rules with it. They tell, oh, you can't touch the tree. You can't move limbs and stuff out the way. You got to put your hands behind your back and search with your eyes. And that is it. Oh, can't wow. do anything else. Once you find it, whoever finds it gets to rehide it in the tree. Well, that's a pretty cool 
pretty cool thing. Like I said, I'd never heard of the Christmas pickle before now. Um, that might be something I start doing just for the novelty of it. That sounds fun. Well, I'll tell you what, the next time you go, say, to a Hobby Lobby or a Michael's, someplace that sells Christmas decorations, uh, then look for some ornaments and see if you can find a Christmas pickle ornament. Now, ours is nothing more than a little plastic green looking pickle. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Well, it sounds like some of these were very ornate. Yeah. Like glass and whatever. Very. So I'm curious if there is, if there is, if they were as popular as, you know, pray tell, then I'm wondering, do they have any like glass pickles at, at these antique shops? I don't know, but that's something I'm going to start looking for. You and me both. I need a glass pickle. Yes. And if you find one, well, then you found one. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Good fortune for me. Yeah, good fortune forever. You found the elusive glass pickle. That is correct. Well, that's cool. I like that tradition. That is cool. Now, speaking of traditions, now one tradition, of course, in most families and amongst friends is caroling or... uh, I wouldn't say caroling, but singing Christmas songs. Let's put it that way. I'm going to put it quite mildly, okay? Okay. Uh, But have you ever been listening to some of these older Christmas songs and kind of wonder, like, what the heck were these people smoking when they they wrote this? You're like, what do these words mean? And speaking of some of these weird words that we may not know the meaning of or where it comes from is, quote, troll the ancient Yuletide carol. What are we trolling? What is a troll? Like a YouTube troll or, or an internet troll? Social media troll? Or a you know, troll, uh, troll? Troll. Yeah, troll troll. I mean, you know, like Halloween troll, like nasty looking booger troll. I mean, what, <laughs> what, are, we, what are we talking about here? You know, what, what exactly does that mean? All right. So this comes, this line, of course, comes from the uh, song Deck the Halls. And it's got nothing to do with the mythical creature who lives under a bridge. So according to the Oxford English Dictionary, one of the meanings of troll as a verb is to sing something in a happy and carefree way. Older meanings include moving about in a circular way or singing songs in a circular fashion, as you might do with Deck the Halls. So it means basically to sing. And here's some holiday trivia for you. The melody of Deck the Halls comes from a traditional Welsh song called Nos Galen, which is means New Year's Eve. That goes back to at least the early 1700s. It was a drinking song, and the lyrics, Don We Now Our Gay Apparel, used to be sung as, Fill the Mead Cup, Drain the Barrel. <laughs> I think I like that one better. Yeah. Fill the Mead Cup, Drain the Barrel. Has a different ring to it. Exactly. All I can think of, I don't know why, but I, I, I'm picturing hobbits in my head at this point. <laughs> Sounds like a fun time. Exactly. So now we move on to our next one, which is of uh, the next carol we're going to talk about, which is Here We Come A-Wassling. And so this comes from Christmas tunes, at least in the modern United States, tend to come mostly from the mid 20th century when radio and television could fix notions of Christmas more easily and broadly and from Northern Europe in the 1700s and 1800s. And the mid-19th century song, Here We Come a Wassling, endures today. But what does wassling mean? 
The first thing to know in decoding these lyrics is that wassail is an alcoholic beverage. It's often served hot, usually a mulled cider or punch. It gets its name from wassail, an old English term meaning be well. And wassailing, that's an English tradition performed most often on the 12th night of Christmas. A band of singers would go door to door around their neighborhood singing Christmas songs and offering drinks from a massive bucket of wassail they carry with them. In return, homeowners would give the wassailers a bite to eat, some sweets, or a small gift. This tradition, though unfamiliar to most Americans, still shows up in a song they should know. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Look to the end of the song when the singers demand the listener, bring them some figgy pudding, and they won't go until they get some. (laughs) So if... Now, this is this just happens to be my just all-around most favorite uh, Christmas song, and that is It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year by Andy Williams. I absolutely mm-hmm. adore that song. And one of my favorite lyrics in here is, of course, there'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. And that's all fine and good because, you know, that's stuff that's supposed to happen. Right. It's Christmas. But the next line goes, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Scary ghost stories? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, I mean. At Christmas? Exactly. Why would we, you know, why would we be telling ghost stories at Christmas? Now, of course, one of the most beloved ghost stories of Christmas is a Christmas carol. Right. Now, I never really thought of that story or that movie or television series, whatever you're, however you're intaking the Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens Christmas Carol, but that's one thing I never thought about. It, it is. It's a ghost story. Yeah, it really is. In any of its incarnations, I Yeah, guess. it is. So, as it turns out, gathering around a fire to share ghost stories was actually a Christmas tradition in the late 1800s into oh. the early 1900s. Cold temps and long nights were considered the best conditions to share these types of stories. Now, I wonder, was that much of a tradition in the United States or was that kind of a, a European thing? Um, That's a good question. I think it was kind of, I think it was all the way around. Yeah. Well, it made its way into the Andy Williams song, I guess. Yeah. So according to British travel writer and humorist Jerome K. Jerome, in the introduction of his 1891 anthology of Christmas ghost stories, Told After Supper, that's the name of the book, quote, Nothing satisfies us on Christmas Eve but to hear each other tell authentic anecdotes about specters, end quote. The most famous example of all this is, of course, Charles Dickens' 1843 tale, A Christmas Carol. In the holiday classic originally titled A Ghost Story of Christmas, four phantoms visit the curmudgeon Ebenezer Scrooge to scare his greedy soul straight. The supernatural literary hit was inextricably bound to the heritage of holiday ghost stories in Britain. American author Henry James cemented the eerie tradition into U.S. culture when he published his story, The Turn of the Screw, in 1898. The novella about a chilling series of supposedly ghostly events that befall a young governess begins with men gathered around a fire sharing spooky stories on Christmas Eve. The American goth legend Edgar Allan Poe also set his unsettling poem, The Raven, in, quote, the bleak month 
of December. Mm, right. The tradition lingered until the early 20th century, with magazines regularly running ghost stories in their Christmas issues. So to answer your question, yes, it eventually became an American tradition. That's cool. And to keep up such tradition, I have with me tonight a few ghost stories to tell to you. Ooh, let me go light the fire real quick. No, right? <laughs> the first is... I'll get my wassail. The wassail. Let me heat up the wassail. Maybe you can get a Christmas pickle while I'm at it. Oh, my Lord. You're about to get that Christmas buzz. So the first one. I had an unusual visitor on Christmas Day, 2008. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't Santa Claus passing by my house in Bloomington, Indiana. The day started in typical fashion with the opening of gifts gifts around the Christmas tree. I served an early Christmas dinner for family and friends and everybody departed by 5 p.m. Except my sister and brother-in-law who lived with me. They were sleeping in a bedroom at the end of the hall with the door open. I went into my bedroom with my dog, Toby, and shut the door securely. I was just dozing off when I heard the latch on my bedroom door open. I waited several seconds for my sister or brother-in-law to ask me whatever they came to say, but there was no other sound. It was almost 7 p.m., so my bedroom was pitch black. I had left lights on in the kitchen and the bathroom, and there were lots of Christmas lights in the living room, so the hallway would have been well lit. I would be able to see whoever was at the door just by lifting my head. I pushed the blankets down and lifted my head from the pillow, but just as I would have been able to see who was in the doorway, an extremely bright light hit me right in the eyes. I shielded my eyes and yelled, Turn out that damn light! You're blinding me! (laughs) The light immediately disappeared, and I heard the bedroom door latch close. My bedside light is a touch lamp, so I tapped it on and looked around the bedroom. There was no one in the bedroom except me and Toby. Toby jumped off the bed and went to the door without showing any signs of alarm. At first, I wasn't frightened because Toby is a Dutch shepherd, well-trained to be an excellent watchdog and proven personal protection dog. Since Toby was already up, I decided to go let him outside and see what sis or brother-in-law needed. When I went into the hallway, I could see both of them still I took Toby to the living room to let him outside, and there was nobody there either. So who opened my bedroom door and turned a spotlight on my face? Like most people, the thoughts of loved ones are always close at hand during the holiday season. When I first went to lie down, I was thinking how happy I was that my small family had enjoyed a pleasant Christmas, but it would have been so much better if my mother and brother had still been alive to share it with us. I would like to think it was my brother's spirit stopping by to say, Merry Christmas. I still think of you, too. I haven't been able to debunk this strange event or find any kind of rational explanation. I'm half afraid that my heart stopped during my sleep, and the light I saw was the bright light people report after near-death experiences. Leave it to me to see the stairway to heaven. I ruined my chance at eternal paradise by saying, Turn out the light! I've made a mental note that if I ever see another bright light to clean up my language, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Huh. That's kind of spooky. It is. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do in that situation. I don't know if I would even realize that something weird went on if I was half asleep. 
Um, but then the dog didn't freak out. So it makes you think, okay, was it one of like the mother or the father yeah. or whatever, you know, that it passed on. So the dog wasn't scared of him. The dog knew him maybe. All right. So moving right along, we go into another spooky story. It says it was Christmas time of 1995 or 96 at my aunt's house on a reservation in North Dakota. Some of my family was in the living room watching television. The kids were playing in the rooms or sleeping, and my uncle, aunt, and I were sitting at the table putting a puzzle together. My cousin, who worked at a casino, would come home around midnight or 1 a.m. This night, as she pulled up and was walking toward the house, she looked in the window and saw me sitting at the table, my uncle sitting across from me, and someone standing to the left of me and someone standing in the corner. So she continued to walk in the house, thinking nothing of it. As we were sitting there talking, she looked at me and asked who was standing next to me a few minutes ago and who was in the corner. I told her no one, and she said, Yeah, there was someone standing next to you. It looked like your mom, and she was playing with your hair. I have long hair, which I used to wear down all the time. She said this person was running her hand on my hair, like a mother does to a child. It kind of freaked me out, being I was probably only 12 or 13 at the time. My cousin swears up and down that someone was standing over me, rubbing my head and watching me put the puzzle together with my aunt and uncle, and that there was another person standing behind this person. We got around to thinking it was probably her mom she saw. She passed away on her birthday a week before Christmas back in 1992. In my family... We consider aunts and uncles to be just like our moms and dads. After thinking that it could have been her, it didn't scare me so much. However, we couldn't figure out who the person was standing in the corner. And always around Christmas time, something strange always happens. And we just think it's her visiting us. It's a very nice sentimental ghost story. Wow. I don't know what I would think, though. If someone told you, you know, you were just sitting there minding your own business, putting together a puzzle, and yeah. someone said, oh, there's someone behind you, what would you think? I'd be a little freaked out. Yeah. I mean, and I'll be honest, I don't care <laughs> if it's an aunt, if it's a grandma, whatever, it would still freak me out. I agree. That's a cool story. I mean, it's creepy, but in the same way, it's also kind of comforting. Right. It's, nice, it's kind of a nice story. It's kind of a, a warming hug. I had a bit of a epiphany about ghosts the other day. And this one here kind of got me thinking about it. Now, we, of course, think of ghosts as some sort of, uh, you know, protoplasmic uh, specter that you should be able to see with your eyes or a disembodied voice that you can hear or something moving about uh, your kitchen or, or living room that isn't supposed to be doing that. Uh, but but here's the thing. When you have a strong connection or a close bond with someone, memories can serve as a ghost. And what I mean by that is that just say, for example, this person here lost uh, lost their mother. And it's really weird because, you know, that was a very strong tie to someone she had. And memories can be painful. And. I'm kind of wondering, you can be haunted by the memory or thought of someone. Yeah. 
That was just a little something I put together, you know. It's kind of, it's sad. It's bittersweet. <laughs> but on the same hand, you know, I believe that in our own heads, we can be, become victims of tragic things in our past. Yeah. And do I think that that's, um, you know, a spirit coming back from the dead? No. Do I think that the person's crazy? No. But I think no. sometimes maybe um, the mind plays tricks, I guess you call it on you, like yeah. almost cope, coping mechanisms. Yeah. Or, you know, you're given a gift of, the, you know, you're gifted this experience um, when you need it most. I, I, I don't agree. know. Maybe it's, you know, when you need that comfort, when you need to talk to somebody that's no longer there. I don't think they're necessarily there. Now, a lot of people would disagree with me, you know. Everybody right. has their different view on ghosts and whatnot. Of course. But I kind of wonder, you know, um, if it's, you know, I don't want to say all in your mind, but it could be. It could Possibly. be, you know, just a, like I said, a coping mechanism or, right. you know, I don't know. So, I'm, in by no way, shape or form, or, or am I discrediting ghosts? I'm just saying it's a, just a different form. Right. I think that there That's, are so many possibilities oh, out yeah. there that may be one of a thousand possibilities right so moving on to our next little story here it says my parents and i lived in a small home that was around 90 years old the year would have been 1996 we lived there from the time i was seven years old to the time i was 19 from the very day that we moved in i felt that i was not alone one year around christmas time i was having a friend spend the night the heat had just shut off briefly, and she and I were sitting in the living room watching television when the temperature dropped substantially. As I rose to turn up the heat, the Christmas tree began to shake violently. Ornaments were falling off right and left, and she and I were terrified. We ran upstairs and lay down on my bed. My white cat curled up with us, and my door was open slightly. When I gazed out at the dark hallway, I was horrified to see a tall, white figure run down the hall. I turned to my friend, and she acknowledged that she had seen the exact same thing. She never spent the night again. <laughs> and I cannot blame her. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. I would have gone home that night. For real. I'm not waiting till the morning. Come get me now. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know. I, I, when she said the, you know, immediately in my head, in my house, I was thinking, oh, it's a cat. There's a cat in the tree. That's all it is. Right. Um, yeah. And then ironically, you know, the cat jumps up on the bed with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm scared too. <laughs> are cats supposed to be as sensitive to ghostly stuff as dogs are? You always hear about dogs, but you don't hear about cats as much. It's funny you say that. Because I come across a little bit of about that the other day, and I thought it to be rather comforting, really, um, more than anything. But they say that cats, especially cats, more than dogs, have a certain sense about them, that they can sense certain spirits, uh, whether they be good spirits or bad spirits. Now, uh, not saying this is 100% true, but if you remember back to our uh, last last episode uh, where the house, the Willingham house, and it was all these crazy things happening, the screams. And, you know, they said, you know, the dog, the family dog, he got the mess 
kicked out of him. But the cat was very content, like it was walking around and being stroked and petted and so on and so forth. When you think about it, it, it kind of is kind of rings true. And I think the way cats conduct themselves, you know, so they have very different personalities. And that's to <laughs> yes. say the same thing about dogs, you know. But on the same hand, I kind of read this article that, that said that cats can be in tune with things that we can't see. And they know, like, emotionally or physically, like when we're hurting or when we're sick, they know they can tune into that. And I've always been told, you know, my our cat loves my wife and she'll, she'll nuzzle her neck like every night. It's like a baby and mama type thing, what it is. But she, there's been times like, even with me, she does not do that very often with me, but if I'm not feeling good, you can bet your bottom dollar. If I'm on the couch, cat will come in there and she'll, she'll nuzzle me and, you know, kind of give me some loves and some hugs or whatever. But I've always been told that that's the cat trying to heal you. And As your pet, and as your 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 family, you know they look at you like family, and it's weird because I've been told that they can they can try to ward off, you know, evil things, you know, and it's kind of weird, you know. Most people think their cats have the zoomies at three a.m., but what they're really <laughs> doing is in a spiritual battle for your very soul. And you know, I'm not running around, I'm not messing up your carpet. I'm not just jumping in the Christmas tree for my own entertainment. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. I'm out here. I'm a- There's a demon in the house because <laughs> trying to save last the family. week, last week when you had, uh, you know, Terry and, you know, Buffy over, y- you had to sit down with the Ouija board. And now <laughs> here I am fighting for my life and yours. So, you know, I got nine of them. You not so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. You know, I don't really have a whole lot of experience with cats. I have a lot of dogs, so I don't know as much about cats. Right. But that just got me thinking, you know, because you always hear, you know, on the, all the ghost shows and whatever, the dog, you know, sees something or it senses yeah. something. But you never really hear about cats. But I assumed that they would be very similar. Yeah, you would think so. All right. So moving on to our next little bit of uh, haunted holiday story here. My mother, to whom I was very close passed away in 1964 when I was 17 years old. I left home that year and moved to Ontario from Nova Scotia. In 1969, I met a girl whom I will call Karen, and we got married in March of 1970. In December of 1971, we were expecting our first child. We were living in a small one-and-a-half-bedroom bungalow. There was a fireplace in the living room. My wife and I loved the fireplace, and we had it lit every night. It was Christmas Eve, 1971, and we had just finished putting the gifts under the tree, and a nice fire gave off a beautiful glow. On the tree, one string of lights, which was supposed to flash, had stopped several days before. It was five minutes to midnight when the fireplace suddenly just about went out, and the string of lights started to flash and the other lights stopped flashing. My wife and I were sitting on the floor, and it had become very chilly in the room. I looked over to my lazy boy chair, and a figure was sitting there. My mother, with a big, beautiful smile on her face. My wife, who had never met my mother, said she could see the same thing. This ghost never spoke, but just kept looking at me and my wife and smiling. 
At 12 midnight, the fire in the fireplace started up again, and the lights on the tree stopped flashing, and the others started flashing again. I looked over in the chair, and the ghost was gone. No matter what I did to those Christmas lights, they never flashed again. Wow. That one gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I know. It kind of reminded me, the Christmas lights just made me think of the first season of Stranger Things. <laughs> but wow. I mean, that would be one of those things that, you know, would it spook you or would it comfort you? Would you be excited? It is the season of comfort and joy. So, yeah. I mean, the fact that, you know, I believe this. I, I, stru- I truly believe this. I, I do believe that. Uh, whenever, wherever we go, when when we're gone, when our souls leave this earth, I truly believe that there is an opportunity for us to come back, not in our form that we once knew, but in a, I guess a, a spirit of some sort, and to make ourselves known to certain people. And I've always told my wife this: that if I ever, if I ever die before she does, then I'll promise her I will come back to haunt the heck out of her. <laughs> and I'm and I mean that. I don't mean that in a creepy stalker, you know, you know, running all of her new boyfriends out the house. Right. I'm talking about like a PS I love you. Yeah. I ain't going yet, honey. Sounds like the Harry Houdini thing. With his wife, Bess. He and told now her you've that got me interested. <laughs> yeah. Of course he died back in the thirties or whatever, and he was into mm-hmm. spiritualism and yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. And he told her that if it was possible, if he died before she did, he would try his best to come back and somehow make an appearance, make himself known. Um, and she had a seance every year. I think it was on Halloween every year to try and contact him. She never did. Um, but that was his plan. You know, he told her that if he was able, he would come back, um, you know, in some form to correspond with her or whatever. You know, it's a lot like uh, if you go back to the dark country music. I think it's part two. There was a there was a story in there about Johnny Cash and their two friend their two friends. Um, it was a group of them. I think it was three of them. All three of them were very close. And uh, one of them always said that when I get to the other side, look for a sign from me. And sure enough, they they had it. They called it. I think it was an EVP. Uh, that actually came through, uh, I, be, I think it came through via phone call to a radio station during an interview. Uh, don't quote me on that, but go back and listen to it. It's a very interesting story if you yeah. haven't heard it before. So very cool stuff. I need to go back and refresh myself on that episode. They were really good. Yeah, they were all good. Mama. <laughs> they were all really good. And finally getting to our last story of tonight. On Christmas Eve night. 1978 at about 3 a.m. in Klamath Falls, Oregon. I was suddenly awakened by a choir singing. The house was new construction, miles from the nearest church. I strained to hear any words that I could understand or a tune that I could identify, but I could not understand the language or tune. I did get a feeling of angelic exaltation, reverence, and gladness of heart. This was truly a heavenly choir lifting their voices on high, singing Hosanna in the highest in an unknown tongue without accompaniment of instruments. I can never say that word right. <laughs> accompaniment. 
Sounds like True. Bugs Bunny. You're just gonna <laughs> have to get a permanent. Accompaniment. Accompaniment. I never have a- to say the the word, so I guess I can't exactly. see it either. <laughs> accompaniment. 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 Um, without Purchase instruments. <laughs> We're Cestershire. <laughs> I examined the television, but it was turned off, as was the radio. I explored outside, but the singing was not heard outdoors. The way the countless male, female, and children's voices entwined together, the tunnels going from operatic highs to the deepest bass voices in perfect harmony. It must have lasted about 10 minutes, but it was touching for an eternity. Very cool. I don't know um, what I would do in that situation either. Me neither. It's very cool stuff. I like that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's. I've always heard. Now we'll probably get into some more of these, so I'm not trying to spoil anything for anyone. But I have always heard that there, around Christmas Eve or Christmas night, that there is opportunity for strange occurrences to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always heard that the. I guess this is why, and this is what I've read, and I could be completely wrong about this, and I apologize if I am, but I've always heard that animals are given the ability to speak. I want to say it's the night of Christmas Eve. Yes. Now, I don't mean our Christmas Eve. I mean the real Christmas Eve, whatever day you, that may oh. that may fall on. Now, <laughs> I thought you meant, no, dogs have a different Christmas Eve, and they can only talk on their <laughs> Christmas Eve. <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is, you know, we, we had this discussion before that, you know, we, we only celebrate the birth of, you know, Jesus on Christmas Eve, Christmas. But the thing about it is, is that we don't actually know when his birth was. Now, yes, right. we have certain signs and, and, and things in the Bible that kind of point us in that direction. But there's not really one date that stands out among the rest. True. With that being said, the real Christmas Eve, they say that animals can speak. And the reason being is because when Jesus was born, he was born in a manger amongst the animals. Hmm. Don't know uh, any credibility to that. As far, it's just, like I said, another tall tale, another legend from here in the South. I don't know how far that stretches. Don't know how many of y'all have ever heard of such. Sounds like Dr. Doolittle's A Christmas Story. Yes. Hmm. I'll have to look into that and listen to the dogs. If they yeah. start talking, I'll know that that's the real Christmas Eve. Well, I'm sure you've heard that. What is it? The 12 dogs of Christmas. The uh, And then they have a cat <laughs> version. And so, so who knows? You never know. My, my wife just bought a new uh, collar for our cat. And I keep hearing uh-huh. her jingle jangle uh, in, behind me somewhere. Don't sure. Not sure if you can hear it. But no, she's, she's in the bedroom there right behind me. So I apologize to anybody listening. If you hear some jingle jangle. Um, it's it's okay. only the angelic choir with instrument, accompaniment with instrument. <laughs> 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 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this holiday episode. We hope you enjoyed the stories that we brought you and all the interesting facts about some of these Christmas traditions we discussed and the Christmas carols and such. Uh, this is, of course, some of our favorite time of year, and I'm sure it's a lot of yours as well. Uh, stay tuned. The rest of December will be bringing more episodes to you just like this. If you'd like to follow us along on social media, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast. You can find us on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash the Southern Spectre. Also on TikTok at the Southern Spectre podcast. So a plethora of uh, uh, sites that you can find us on and interact with us. Uh, we'll definitely you know, any questions you have answered, any tales you'd like to tell, we'd love to interact with you folks. Also, if you'd like to send us an email, uh, you can send that to the Southern Inspector Podcast at gmail.com and look in the show notes below to leave us a voicemail. Uh, this has been fun, Lexi. Uh, I have absolutely enjoyed it. I'm glad Thanksgiving's over. I uh, hate to see it go, but I'm glad it's past us now. It's Halloween. Right because now I'm already looking forward to next year. So yep. a lot of planning and stuff to do to go to next year. But for right now, we're focusing on Christmas. I love these stories. I love these traditions and stuff, these strange legends, myths and stuff that we've come across. And we'll, we're going to be bringing you uh, this and more throughout the holiday season. And until next, next time, everybody, you guys take care. Lexi, what do you got to say? Nothing. You said it all. <laughs> <laughs> You were supposed to say, stay spooky. Like you always do. Stay spooky. Send us the voicemails. Contact us on the socials. Do all the things. And we'll, we'll see you next time. Later, everybody. Happy holidays.